Um, so, welcome to Let the Healing Begin podcast. I'm your host, Asia. And today we have Ahmad Vital. Did I say that right? Uh, Vital, Vital. Vital, uh, okay. Well, yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, he is a mental performance coach. He's worked with athletes at the Division One level and National Football League. Um, he's also the founder of That Guy Media Group. He's also a motivational speaker, a published author, and he also works as a humanitarian and teen ministry leader. You are a busy guy. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Thank you for cutting out time in your schedule and joining us. So, whereabouts are you from? I live in Houston, Texas, North Houston, an area called Spring, and uh, that's where I reside currently. Okay. Were you born there? No. I was actually born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Really? Yes. Yes. And how long have you been in Texas? I've been in Texas 40 plus years. I think my parents said we moved to Texas by the time I was two. Really? So I basically was just born, obviously created and born in Louisiana and we got to Texas as soon as we could. Okay. Do you go back to visit often? No, not really. Uh, we have... Uh, both sides of my family have family out there, but most of us are either in Houston, um, D.C., and I think we have uh, another facet out of South Carolina as well. Okay. Um, so we'll discuss, you know, a bunch of different areas of your life today. Um, so tell me this. What was it like growing up for you? Were you in a two-parent household or how was that? I was in a two-parent household, born to two loving parents. My mother is an elementary school teacher. My father is a petroleum engineer. And um, that union didn't work out uh, in the long run. I think they got divorced somewhere between 11 and 12 years old, soon after my mom got remarried to a world-renowned artist. So I always gladly say I have two fathers. And so that was the thing. And the, the interesting thing is, you know, you're talking about dads from two different worlds, but uh, both of them were highly educated and both of them both had a, a knack for not accepting any excuses. Uh, there wasn't an excuse in the world I could use to uh, justify my failure, to justify not getting work done. I mean, it just it was it was strict in rough times uh, for me, which ended up being a great. Uh, great motivating factor for what I'm able to do even today. Okay. Do you have siblings? I do. I have two younger brothers and an older sister. Okay. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, so when your parents got divorced growing up, um, would you say that had an effect on you or not really? It did. It absolutely did. Um, you know, the dynamic between two fathers wondering why, things didn't work out between my, my father and, and, and my mother. Uh, that was always a question. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that many youngsters who are in this spot, um, you only get one side of the story and sometimes they don't get the other side. And, you know, whether it's positive, negative or neutral, it's usually tilted one way or another. That's just being honest, like for the most part, the custodial parent it's not always just like you know it was the greatest she was the greatest i ever had you know it's like that typically doesn't usually happen um it usually tilts one way or the other um my mother was pretty even but i mean i will say that i was able to reunite with my father later on um and fill in those blanks um 
in my life. And it was, it was good. It was good. So I'm, I'm blessed to have a number of people who have poured into me, but it absolutely had an effect on me. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Now, let me ask you something else. Um, when you reuni- reunited with your father and you guys conversed about things of the past, was that, was that like an open conversation? And what did that do for you? It was very open. Uh, the first one, the first one was that uh, my graduation from college. Um, he flew in from Egypt and came down to come see me graduate. And we sat down over the bar and in four hours, we patched up about about 10 years worth of misinformation. I know it's a popular word today. Um, just fill in the blanks of some things that um, I had not known. And it was good on the uh, on the bridge to recovery. Um, very open. Uh, he didn't hold anything back because, again, my father is a petroleum engineer and he literally embodies that very direct um use three words when three words are needed he won't use five and just really got to the point um as far as sharing um what happened during those different times in my life because we're talking about basically my preteen years through early college and it it was able to um to bring some clarity to a lot of the things that i'd only gotten one side of the story of which is always helpful because um oftentimes you know we're we aren't able to like move forward and grow unless we have that closure um and those questions answered um so with the preteens and like your teenage years how was that it was good i had uh i had a new father um stepping in my life obviously uh, mr Vito, um very vietnam veteran artist very very strict extremely high um engagement with his family i mean he had taking care of many of his siblings uh, through time and even their ch- and even his nieces and nephews uh, helped them through high school, college and things of that nature. Um, it was good from the standpoint that um, he taught me order. He taught me structure. He taught me the, the baseline things to what it takes to be a young man and obviously ultimately a man in life um, stood for a lot. He was one of those, he was one of those guys who maybe, I don't want to say did too much as a fault. Like where it's almost like, you're so nice to where people take advantage of you. And I did get to see that. Um, and that was a good lesson to know you be a servant, but also not to um, let people get the best of you because they take advantage of the fact of how good your heart is. So I was able to you know, kind of sift through that, but um, he made an extremely uh, impactful, um, extremely impactful in my life from the standpoint of, giving me what I need, the basics of what I need to be able to grow and be, you know, the man I am today. Okay. So let me ask you something else. So what do you think is the most valuable lesson um, that he taught you? Would you say it's that or would you say it's something else? I'd say that my father, my father was very, I want to say basic, but his sort of rules were, you know, work hard, treat people right, save money and buy some land. That was that was the basics of everything. And it was like, you know, there's a lot more nuances to that. But if you do those. I feel like if you do those four things, you're you're doing 
that's a good start in life. You know, I think we try to complicate things. It's like, well, what about stocks? And what about investments or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think what he shared with me is the basics for life. If you do those four things, you're not going to be broke. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you're going to be blessed. Yep. You know, and of course, my, my father was also um, big in the church. Um, he was a gospel singer as well. So uh, that grounding always was something where it was at the foundation. And, you know, a lot of times I think we, we, we try to complicate life. Um, in so many different ways and the dynamics between my two fathers um, was something that I was able to embody and and grow into on my own it was just like okay I see where he's coming from that standpoint I see where he's coming from that standpoint I'm learning this but the baseline of what of what my father taught me and and definitely uh, Mr. Vitaal was was so beneficial because I mean work hard treat people right save money and buy land I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who wish they heard something like that and wish it could be just put in such simple terms. And so um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because I, I look back at that as like the starting point when, when life starts getting a little, you know, a little turmoil in life. You say, all right, what's the foundations? Okay, work hard. And then you go back to those those baselines. And obviously that's what Vital had given me. And, you know, my birth father gave me a, you know, different things as well but all of it comes back to the fact that it completed me as the man I am today I think that's amazing um I like the four basic um points of structure I think it's like very clear clean cut straight to the point and it's it's not really hard you know um as we grow up and life happens you know we kind of steer away from that but as you know you get older you kind of like okay let's take it back to the basics so I really like those. And I think it's amazing how you had not just one, but two fathers to come together collectively and, you know, complete the job and not just like simply, but like, you know, over the top and install those type of things in you because not a whole lot of people have that. So that's great. Um, so growing up, would you say you were, how, how would you say the relationship with your mother was? Was that okay? It was good. It was good. Um, my mother still lives. 30 minutes from me now um she's in her 70s retired teacher after 42 years and i um i would share that like this is the importance of having the dynamic of um father and mother and uh, a position we are supposed to honor um regardless of the things that happen that's that's the root of things. We are supposed to honor that position. We don't have to honor the actions of the position, but we are supposed to honor the position. My connection with my mother is my mother, obviously school teacher, very artsy, you know, bubbly, you know, just, it, just, just your typical, <laughs> no. you know, boomer, uh, baby boomer <laughs> type of mentality. Just, just loves it. And, and you have to remember as far as from a birthing standpoint, my mother had nothing but males. So, it's three men and my mother. Now, I have an older wow. sister who came from um, the the remarriage. But the fact is, she birthed nothing but men. And so, I think she leans in on that. I, I think she she absolutely embraces it. I mean, yeah, it's, she tries to bring her, her nuances of, <laughs> you know, the dolls and little girly things. Like, my mom, like my mom still gives us cards with confetti Aww. and stickers and stuff like that. And she's a teacher and she loves it. And we yeah. and we lean in on that. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that my mother gave me and I, uh, I actually included this in some of my works and even in some of my keynotes is my mother taught me the idea of respect 
for those who typically don't receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I tell a story about a lot of times about when I used to come home from college and even through grade school, I used to always wonder why the cafeteria workers and the janitors used to be so enamored with my mother. Like they used to like, I'm not talking about like, like her. I'm like, they loved her. And as I got older, you know, you come home from school, anybody who has a mom for a school teacher, when you come home from school, the stop to come by her school is like a must. You must come by where she works because she needs to take you on a tour. And moms absolutely love that when their kids come home from college. Cause it's like, they knew you growing up. Here you are grown man coming home. And it's like, Hey, I'm home for two days. And so, she takes you through the school and obviously she would introduce me to her teacher friends. But along the way, obviously you're passing by what? The custodians, the janitors. And I used to always wonder why these women and these men were just like, oh my goodness, your mom's so, so awesome. And this man, I'm just Aww. like, like, wow. So, it's like the third trip. I'm like, mom, like, really? What's, I understand like they like you. I was like, but these people like, We'll give you the keys to the house to stay overnight. <laughs> what is going on here? And she said, well, Maude, in, 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 in schools, a lot of times, people don't treat the janitors and cafeteria workers with respect. You know, they maybe don't clean their classroom up um, to say, oh, you know, somebody else will take care of this. You know, don't really show them respect in the lunch line and things of that nature. She's like, I always wanted to make sure that they felt as important. So for every Christmas, my mom would send our Christmas cards to her colleagues, she would include the janitors and the cafeteria workers. Um, she would send them thank you cards. About two, three, four times a year, she would, you know, the, the janitors and people are working after hours, she'd bring them, you know, a, a, a sandwich tray. She'd buy them breakfast sometimes. And these things would be left in the break room, you know, in the same break room where some of the teachers are like looking at them like, oh, that's just them. My mom always leaned in on them in every school she went to, like the cafeteria workers and the janitors like loved her so much. And so, you know, I, I always use this mama told me, but mama showed me, mm-hmm. showed me like how to take care of those who clean up, those who, who, who manage, those who cut your, like the people who, who have these, these jobs, the, the really the jobs that help like America move. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the people who, who, you know, work under the streets, the people who get the carts at the, uh, at the grocery store, the people who sack, right. The people who are working behind the scenes, the, the people who are, are, are cleaning up the hotel rooms when they're bringing by the cart, like don't, don't, don't look down on them. Don't trash them. In fact, love them, you know, respect them, speak to them, ask them how they're doing. Why? Because they're not only are they human, but they have families too. It's just mm-hmm. their profession is this. And, Look at the idea of what happens. You take that profession away from any of these industries, we're done, right? You you, you try running an office building without the janitorial and cleaning services. No business is happening there, right? On the airplanes, at the airport, at, at these different companies, right? In these office suites, like she taught me how to always show respect and love those people as if, as if they are equals, because in a big, broader sense of things, they are, and they need mm-hmm. to be viewed that way. And so I always, I always say that that was the, the mama showed me that was, uh, that was one of the things. That's amazing. And that, you know, honestly, that was something that my mom taught us too. Like she used to say, when you walk in these buildings, it doesn't matter if it's the gender or the CEO of the building, you still treat people with the same respect. And honestly, those that are all in all those positions that you were just speaking of, 
Like they're serving us, you know, they're serving us and not a whole lot of people want to take on that type of role. You know, they're the ones that are behind the scenes making things happen and making sure it's running smoothly, you know, so we got to definitely be grateful um, for those people in those positions. So um, I appreciate your mom for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she loves. She loves. Yeah, she sounds amazing. Um, so let me ask you this. I know you said that your father was a he was in the church, right? So you grew up in church. I did. And my church life is interesting. Uh, I was baptized in a Baptist church. When my mom got remarried, we uh, accepted Catholicism. So I was in the Catholic church, basically preteens through college. I went to college and I think non-denominational Baptist church again. And then I had that period that many of us go through where I was probably just a heathen. Uh, just, you know, Bibles on the Bibles on the nightstand, but a little dusty. <laughs> And it's just sitting there. Um, and I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I lean into the idea that like there was a period of time. I was always a believer. The Bible was always near to me, but mm -hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't in my it wasn't in my heart at the level that it needed to be. It, it's like I never shot away from prayer and all those different things like that. But I wasn't intentional. I wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, discipling. I wasn't evangelizing. I mean, I was motivating here and there, but I wasn't leaning in on the Christian values that my parents had brought me up in. So um, obviously that that leads to, like the word says, to destruction. And I've had many of those. And I am grateful for all of them. But all sides of my people was is, is all Christian-based and, 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 and gave me the foundation for life. Now, whether I took them or not, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but, you know, it's Romans 8, 28. You know, all things lead for the good. You know, at the end, in the end, all those experiences are, are helping me be the mentor, be the advisor, be the coach, uh, be the uh, the ministry leader I am today. So I can I can look across at someone young and be like, you know, I've tried a lot of things, and I know that you will try many things as well. But let me help you not try as many things as I did. Maybe you can save five, seven, 12, 20 years of your life, not going down these wayward paths. You know, I probably stayed a prodigal for too doggone long, you know, but it <laughs> is part of the process and it's made me a better man and a better leader. And I don't live with any regrets uh, because of that. Even, you know, there's a trade off and there's pain that comes with it. Um, but when I know that I have the opportunity to do the work I'm called to do and lean into that and say, Hey, here's, here's the experience. Here's where we can grow. Here's where I can pour into future generations. That to me is worth all the pain that I've already been through and all the mishaps and all the mistakes I've gone through. So there's a, there's a, there's a greater calling that couldn't have happened without all of the nonsense I went through. Then I caused them myself. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let me ask you this. So what would you say was a turning point from, I mean, because we all, like you said, we all have like straight away from God and me for sure. Like, you know, but I'm so grateful for all of that because it's, it's, it's I look at it like every single situation or every single choice that I've made is like an ingredient to go into who, God is making me to be 
um, what would you say was the turning point or what made you turn back towards God? Well, there's, uh, I'll say there's, there's many, there's many, um, turning points, multiples. Obviously the first divorce of my parents was a major turning point. Um, I would say that my father's death, the night after my 33rd birthday, that was a major turning point. So all of these lead up to where we are. Uh, my divorce led to another turning point. Um, and then the the most recent one would be um, uh, COVID was my was my probably my final turning point. Where I am to now today is probably the 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 expedited came from um, came from that, and it really came from the fact that I was at a church and the church had put me in a position to I don't want to say question my values, but wanted me to lean into something that is antithetical to my value system. And I remember sitting there and I remember I was, I was dating a woman at the time and I had worked with the team ministry group for, oh man, we built that thing over three, five years. And I remember she came to an event with me and she heard some of the talks and them telling me that I needed to be more understanding of certain things. And we got in the car and she's like, you know, you got to leave there, right? And I was like, no, nah, my teens are there. I built it. I've, we built this. We built this city. What do we know? She's like, you're, I know you as a man of value and you are not going to compromise your values. And if it comes down to that, you're going to end up leaving. And she was right. Four months later, I ended up leaving. And I ended up going from that to a hardcore we're sticking to the word Bible-based church of where I've been now for two and a half years. And I can tell you that there was a rededication to Christ from that moment when I walked into this church in the Woodlands, Texas, to where I just got submerged, family, faith, freedom, all of these things were just so present and like an unapologetic pastor who was just like, yeah, come after me if you want to mm -hmm. we're sticking to this word you want to do something about it show up here and, and, mm -hmm. and get this word and I will say I've grown more in the last two years than I have in the last decade like and it's, and it's and it's it's beautiful but it's like a fire hose I did my first mission trip like mm -hmm. I mean all of these different things and I'm you know we you know we have a serve day coming up this weekend um we have 25 different service projects going on at the same time across the city of Houston. Wow. And just, and just, and just going to blanket it, right? We're talking about like five, six, seven hundred people, groups of 20, 50, these different things. We're painting, we're doing all these things. And so what my father's taught me, I got to see it in real time. Now, interestingly enough, it took me till I was, I was in my forties to find this place where the water was pure. The water was what I needed. It was my tree found the, 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 the body of water it needed to be planted next to, to be able mm. to grow into where I am now. And man, I'm so grateful for that. But it, 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 it is a, it is a breaking point, right? Because it's like, you know, like when you get something that's very rich, like your body has to adjust to it. Well, absolutely. That from a mental standpoint, like I'm around, you know, 
so many strong, stoic, righteous, pragmatic men who can pour into me on a weekly basis, like who will not allow me to falter, who will not allow me to fail. They will pick me up and they and have hands on me immediately as soon as I walk in there. Well, when you're coming from a, hey, kind of do what you want, you know, pray when you want, you know, YOLO, just kind of just, you know, wow. yeah, you know, and just kind of buying into kind of like what I would call a lukewarm spirituality. And then you go into a place where it's just raw meat with no, no, no sides. It's just straight. Here's this, here's this Old Testament. Here's this Isaiah. Get this in your life, right? Yeah. Here's the walk of Jesus. Here's the words of Jesus. That right there, it, it, it broke me in the most beautiful way possible. You know, you go on a mission trip and you see all of these things. And so now I'm to that place like where I'm just like, whoa, okay, this is, this is what this is supposed to be. So I'm grateful for the path that was that was shown to me but where i am now is like i knew that all of that led up you know it's like a like a like a four-part five-part movie you know mm -hmm. you didn't get everything in the first one mm -hmm. but that part four and five you're just like whoa yeah. that's what it meant in part two to be yeah. part of this and so now like i'm leaning in and i'm i have you know like there's no more dust on the Bible no more, right? It's, 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 it's in fact, I just got a new one about six months ago, and I jokingly talked with one of my brothers at the church. I was like, I gotta hurry up and and, and continue reading it. I gotta get somewhere <laughs> on it so you won't be calling me out no more. But you know, yeah. I bought a new translation because the church I'm at now uses this translation, and so now it's time to lean in on that. But mm -hmm. you know, it's it's eight months old, so I, I need it needs to get a little bit more beat up because my man has got like eight years on me, you know. So wow. I gotta get a little bit more wear and tear <laughs> on the Bible. It's, we're, we're getting there, and they uh yeah. beautifully give me a hard time. But it's 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 been this has been what this has been one of the most greatest and most challenging times spiritually in my life, and and I lean in on it even though it's not always um a feel good from the standpoint of like you know the old must die and a new must emerge well what happens in death <laughs> it's, it's not easy it's painful and it's beautiful yeah. but it's, it's fulfilling mm -hmm. oh thank you for sharing that um so it was something i want to ask you now i'm going to take it back a little bit as far as the death of your father with your birthday now how did that come about and um what was that experience like and how did you manage to heal from all that? There's a lot there. Um, I was part of the same church I ended up leaving. And so at that time I was really into the secret manifestation, just really the thoughts of things. And I'm not, you know, 100% discrediting all of that because obviously some of it is a is a is some mental exercises that can work but if it's not based in in the word then 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 the word then we're going down the wrong path and at that time i needed that even though now i look back and say wow how i was looking at that wrongly but it it brought me out of the hole i was in to 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 bring me forward so i don't i don't I don't look down on that time at all, but you know, I, you know, that night after my 33rd birthday, you know, I'm looking, I go back to my phone and my voicemail's blowing up and my mother screaming, saying your father's dying. And I was like, okay, you know, mom says dad is dying. Let's get in the car. I was, I was engaged at the time. I was like, let's get in the car. Let's go see what's going on. And so 
what I was doing is I'm like, all right, I prayed to God and I was like, all right, God, you know, the only thing I ask for you to do is make sure my father works out of this hospital, nothing else. And even though it was a prayer, there was a, there was what I like to call a smugness, almost a spiritual arrogance that came from it because I'm on the, all you have to do is pray it and it's done. Like there's no way it's not going to be done. That's kind of where I was. So I'm like, all right, we're good. So I walk into the hospital and like the hallways are just lined with family members and it's not looking good. Like it's dismal. And so I'm in there and I'm like, all right, who do I need to talk to? You know, where's, where's the nurse? Where's the doctor? Give me who I need to do. And I need to go see my dad. My dad's going to walk out of here. And you know, my mom is like deer in headlights. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, all right, mom, I'm going to take care of this. You know? So then we look around and then I remember talking to the doctor and they were like, you know, there's about a 4% chance that your dad will walk out of here and he'll walk out of here alive. Wow. And I'm just like, but I was so into myself that I was like 4%. Pfft, all I need is more than one. You know, that's why, that's why I was, I was very yeah. into that. And I remember getting my family together. I got my siblings together. I was like, all right, our dad's walking out of here. We're not leaving until we all agree on this. And it's like, all right, bet we're moving. We're moving. And as the nights went on, it was just like, I remember walking over to my father, man, in that, on that gurney. And it was the first time I think reality had hit me. That it was just like, I can't feel my father's presence looking at, I, I can't feel him looking back at me. And that's when it like hit me. So, you know, you go from this high and now it's just crashing down. And so then the moment came where they told my mother that like the only way he's still alive is on these machines. And my mom came to me and she was just like, you know, what do I do? And I looked over at my father and I was just like, I saw him laying there. And I said, my father wouldn't want to go out like this. He's he's not a, I'm going to stay around by machine type of man. He's a fighter. And I was like, all right, God, you got it. Turn the machine off and whatever your will is, have your way. And my dad fought for four more hours. And then it was, that was it. But the turning point happened from my argument with God when I walked outside after consoling my family. And I was just like, did you not hear me? Like, where, where are you? You said you'd never leave. What are we doing? What? Like, I'm, you know, it's sweat, it's tears and they're all mixed together. You know, I'm just a mess outside. And I remember hearing after, you know, God let me get it out. Cause you know, God will let you you know, pour out all of your nonsense and say, all right, when, you know, when you're ready to listen, I'm here. I never left. And so he, he, you know, the still small voice, the sweet angelic voice said, you know, I know you've asked some things of me, son, and I've granted what you've asked for. And he's going to walk out of here as you. Mm. He's given you everything you need, the value, the work ethic, the strength, the wisdom, now go be the man whom your heavenly mm-hmm. father and the father I chose for you called for you to be. And I always say that was like a mental freight train, anvil, whatever's the hardest surface that'll kill you with one swoop. That was what that hit me with. And I remember going into that time because I was supposed to share my first book, Awaken the Baller Within, with my father. And I never got to do that. He died mm-hmm. the week the book was printed. And so... I, I look at that as a major turning point and it just helped me see life. It helped me see uh, prayer. It helped me see believing on a whole nother level. Cause I'm just like, all right, you know, I could sit here and say all of these things. If it's not in, if it's not in the will of God, it's not going down. Mm-hmm. He has the yeah. ultimate things. We can go to him and profess 
what it is we would like to see. But we are so limited. We are limited in thought. We are limited in action. We're limited in everything, which is why his grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. He, he won't take he won't take the death, the pain, the adversity, the anxiety, the depression. He won't take it away from you. Mm-hmm. But he lets you know that you can't do this without me. You know, yep. see Job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? See Jonah, Ooh. right? And see, mm-hmm. see all of these, all these see Moses, right? Like, oh hey, God. you don't need like you're you're setting up, you're setting up the game for the next generation. Like, hold on. So all of these <laughs> yeah. things are part of something greater. And that that turning point helped me see life as a whole in a different in a different way. Um I, I just say like God, you know what? I got nothing for this. Yeah. I'm I, I'm tapped out. But the in, the intellect I have of this world is not enough. You are going to have to show me something because I'm tapped out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'll say that straight up. After that night, showed me all I needed to know. You know what? And you just you just witnessed to me in that because just last night I was riding after I got off work and was crying out to God because I'm like. I lost my mother like three and a half years ago and when she passed this was like two weeks after I came home from being incarcerated and um, it's just like the earlier years of my life were fairly rough and you know in and out of drugs alcohol all that good stuff and it's just like I was talking to God last night I'm like Lord you know it's hurting all over again because it's like now that I'm out of that lifestyle and I have an active, you know, an active relationship with you and I'm living, I know my mom prays some prayers for me. And, you know, um, like it just, it just hurts because she's not here to see this stuff. And it's crazy because what you just said, um, about the things that your father taught you, man, it's, it's like, my mom taught me so much on, like she was giving me a, a first aid kit all throughout life on how to survive after she left and you know it was unexpected and it's like God just answered what I was asking him last night right there with what you said and it's just crazy it's just sometimes God will, um, put us in these situations to like you said start you know we don't even know we didn't even know like you didn't even know your ministry was starting there you know our ministry starts in the midst of our pain you know and just different things like that um, and it is amazing how like the creator of the universe, God is so powerful, but he does sit back and listen and he lets us get out our frustrations. You know, he's, it's not a one-sided relationship. He allows you to bring that to his feet and he respects our feelings. Like, you know, he knows that we're human and he knows that, you know, we get scared, we get angry, we get frustrated, we get upset. And he's, it's not that he's not asking us to feel those things. <clears throat> he's, um, you know, welcoming all that with open arms and he's all he is always there it might not feel like it sometimes you know sometimes you're like god where are you where are you at <laughs> you said you would never leave but where are you at in this you know he's like i'm i'm still here you know so i'm i'm very grateful for that absolutely and 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 again whether it's the you know the thorn you know my grace is sufficient or mm-hmm. or it's the prodigal who you know just lets you you know cuz a lot of times like people who are non-believers you know they they love to try to dig at those things it's like there's a god why does he let bad things happen it's just like yeah you didn't read the next part right? where, mm-hmm. where like you know he'll never put you in a situation that, that he can't get you out of but yeah. the, the deal is submission 
to know that you mm-hmm. you are not you are not enough, right? Mm-hmm. I I I I left you. I I came here. I died. I I, I defeated death, and I, I I ascended away, and I left you with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. I left you with this. This is available to you all the time, and if you don't use it, well, then there's 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 a consequences. Okay, there's consequences for everything, right? Like I always tell people, like you know, they're like you know, it's it's so hard, you know, you know, not being able to earn enough doing this. I was like, there's there's a there's a trade, there's a um, there's a cost to success and a cost to failure, right? Both of them require a sacrifice. And both of them are going to be painful in the pursuit of them. So when you talk about walking this life, walking a life with Christ, it's like, you know, if your prayer life is not where it needs to be, if your service life is not where it needs to be. Because see, you know, when, when, when you're, like you say, when you're dealing with different types of people and they're wondering, like, you know, how are you able to get through this? And it's just like, what are you, how are you honoring your father? What are you doing? Are you, are you a servant? To, to the greater good of what he's called for you to be. Have you even asked him what you're called to be? Right? Have you had that conversation? When was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you worshiped? When was the last time you you gathered with like-minded people to go make things happen for the good of others? And when somebody's just like, oh, I, I hadn't really thought about that. There And there's, there's our problem. There's our problem. And it's just like, like you said, you know, and you know, you losing your mother right after you just came out of a another tragic situation. It's like, my goodness, there's a testimony beyond measure. But at the same time, it's like God put all of these little, these markers in our lives. And at the time, we don't know it. Like, we have to go back and like, look at the testimony and be like, I didn't even know that was a testimony, but it is. Because <laughs> Absolutely. You, you know, you're letting the healing begin and the healing is ongoing, like you just said. It's it feels like it's reemergence, me reemerging in this moment. And what it possibly could be is like, okay, you leaned on me and I got you here, but now I'm trying to call you here. So now that you, beautiful, beautiful woman, but it's time I'm 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 I'm, I'm taking you out of this house and putting you somewhere else, which means that version needs to die and you need to move on to something greater because I'm calling you to something greater and no it's not going to be easy there's no yellow brick road to this no this is this is a this is a struggle man you read through all the disciples like these guys like <laughs> I mean it took Jesus leaving for them to be like ah got it yeah. <laughs> so, like, like they became the, the, some of them were some of them were really you know in really doing it at a high level then, but many of them became like the the mighty warriors they became after after Christ, you know, had already defeated death and, and left again. But he said, I'll, I'll always be there with you. And mm-hmm. as we're going through life right now, there's just a there's a there's a, there's a burning desire to to be more. Mm-hmm. But we have to know that it comes with a cost, and it's just like, you know, I always say sometimes be careful what you pray for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like God, I really I really want to man, I really want to set up, you know, a program where I can help fifty thousand young men get to college. Okay. So creating me what that's needed, and it's just like okay. 
like all this little nonsense and all these little uh, mundane things you have going on over here this is no longer because I need to take you somewhere higher which means a new mindset which means a new heart which means maybe a new circle of influence which means maybe a new a new occupation maybe a, all these new things which is growth which means what which means pain which means you're gonna be uncomfortable and it's about to cost you a lot and I don't mean money it costs you know the old circle of family friends like it's, sometimes we got to shed everything like God will strip us of everything our houses our cars our finances everything that we are familiar with sometimes God will strip us and I'm I'm you know in my season of stripping um and when I say God has stripped me of everything but you don't realize how much baggage that you carried or how much of this that and the other that you carried until you are no longer carrying it and you look back and you're like it was really painful but I'm so grateful for it you know I'm so grateful for it. I, oftentimes I'm crying out to God just in gratitude of how much he really cares and how loyal he is to being exactly who he said he would which is the great I am and I'm like you know I'm just in awe you take so much time and you invest it into me when it's so much you know else to do but he cares for each one of us like we're the only person on this earth. Only person. And for that, I'm grateful. That is true. And and, and gratitude um, is... Gratitude is a word that needs to become so mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's, there is a strong sense of just a lack of gratitude because... Because entitlement is connected to the fact that you're not grateful. Because you feel like you deserve something. And I one of the mm-hmm. obviously once you come into the Christian faith, the one thing we always say is, God, I don't deserve this. Like mm-hmm. me. <laughs> like, but when you're <clears throat> entitled, you think that stuff is supposed to mm-hmm. give be given to you. And it's mm-hmm. couldn't be further from the truth. You know, like <laughs> you want to talk about gratitude list. I mean we could just sit here and just shoot back and forth all the things we're grateful for just while we're sitting mm-hmm. right here and that and we probably could be talking till you know two to three hours almost okay. nonstop of what we are grateful for right I mean the fact that we're able to be in this place and this is the only time that exists to be thankful that God put us in the same room at this time like that's something to be grateful for like I didn't I didn't know your story an hour ago. The fact that you lost your mom after you got your freedom back. It's just like, my goodness, that that's a, the fact that you're still alive and didn't have a heart attack or a mental breakdown from that. And you're able to still be here is something that where when I walk amongst the people and I'm just like, you know what? I know somebody who, who had a testimony who, who who is in your same shoes. And let me tell you what she did. That's what we're called to do. And that's when we get it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, so how long would you say, okay, so after your father passed, what was the turnaround time? Um, like where you started to push or le- like you say, lean into God. Um, and how long did you stay angry for? I'm, I know you said that God spoke into your spirit walking out of the hospital. Um, but what did the timeline after that look like? Well, six months later, uh, I'd gotten married. And 
and obviously that's good times or whatever and it lasted less than five years and let's just say there was a there was some there was some turmoil there um probably some healing that i didn't resolve uh from that um i always try to say like even if you get into a situation where you feel like maybe you got the short end of it take some personal inventory and be like okay what role did i play in this right someone may have overreacted but i still was present right and so i do take responsibility the fact that my first marriage didn't work out at all um and that peeled off a lot more scabs that peeled off almost as many scabs as losing my father because at that time i was what should have been known as living the american dream you know house nice ride solid savings all of these different things you know working to get out of debt i mean it was like it was good times and then of course that didn't work out and then that situation broke me in a different way that i did my father's death didn't break me because i when i walked when i walked away from my father like i turned things over to god and was just like you know he's going home to be with you you know let me know let me know how many more songs he's writing up there with you because i know he's i know he's doing that and so i knew i knew my father was in a better place when i went through a divorce and was displaced from my house i didn't i didn't know what to do like this was this was new territory you know i don't know how to deal with the anger, depression, anxiety, lack of finances, displaced from the house, wondering who you can trust. Can I afford what's needed to get out of this? You know, and where is my church life at? There wasn't much of one, <laughs> which is interesting. So like I'm going through one of the toughest times and I did, I had my family, but I didn't have a community. And that's not good to be in that place um, where there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing there um, I had no I had no men to pour into me I had no men to pray for me I had no church community you know I went back to the place and, and, and kind of got restored there but that was after I'd already just almost demolished myself just almost just almost just took myself out mentally I was checked out I'm so in a bad spot. And so that would probably be the turning point um, of when I needed to, to to get back in the game. So the pain from the pain from my father's death had subsided, but the divorce just dug a whole new hole, whole new bullet wounds and everything that I had to deal with. And it took me a year and a half to 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 remedy that situation along with losing 65% of my income and burying myself in probably 10 more years of debt to deal with that situation. And of course now I can, I can look back and say, I'm cleared of all that. It didn't take me 10 years to, to, to resolve that because once I had rededicated my life, I was just like, father, you know what I need, you know? And this is, and it's interesting. The father I needed during that time was no longer here. And so I didn't have that father to be able to look across from me and say, what what am I, what am I doing here? Cause I was, I was lost. 
and none of my people had went through a divorce as you know turmoil <laughs> like very very you know aggressive no one had ever been through one that was like that much of a of, of a struggle and so I didn't have any I didn't have any points of reference no one had been through that and so I was learning it along the way and failing along the way too so so that's where we that's where we ended up uh, as far as that's concerned I think that the 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 father's death wasn't the wasn't the breaking point it was the divorce that almost killed me literally mentally and physically right some sometimes stuff like that can be really hard to come out of because when we go in we think it's for life or you know for the rest of our lives and so we build on that you know and oftentimes when we're going through that stuff it's like ah, it seems to be never ending but i thank god you know that you are where you are now um and that you know your mental health is better um and it just seems like you're doing a whole lot better um so what was your first project or how would you say well let me back up how would you say you started um like the ministry your books stuff like that what was what was what was the unction um that made you want to step out and get to you know pursuing different things do you feel like god was nudging you or is it was it just like a desire well the 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 books and the ministry are, are two different times the books the books would have been right before um right around the time when my father died because my first book awakening ball of a thing was written in 2011 uh which would have been the same year my, my father died uh the speaking happened not long after that the ministry the ministry came i think the ministry came definitely came post post my father it the ministry happened from from an from an interesting standpoint um like I said, the speaking came on the back half of Awaken the Baller Within, leading into I'm More Than Enough, and of course now with the newest books. The I had always been a sports writer, working with teens along the way and not helping them get scholarship money and uh, to be able to go to college and things of that nature. So that was always there. Then it started kind of growing into mental performance coaching where I was working with athletes, taking the Awaken the Baller Within principles and working that into real life. Like, hey, you know, what do you, what the mental, the mental strength you use on the football field, you can use in the office and you can show it, you can show it in your profession. So that came from that. But then it was very uh, mind heavy, very, um, you know, maybe a lot of NLP, uh, just, just a lot of, a lot of mental, of course, you know, a lot of thinking grow rich in there, things of that nature. And it wasn't that the spirituality wasn't in there. It wasn't the primary source. Um, even even some of the guided meditations I used to do with my guys, um, it wasn't it wasn't religious at all. It was just strictly clear your mind, you know, just you know, not so much wusa, but very close to that. Um, just going through that process. But it, I remember speaking at a Wednesday service and. I did a, I did a, I did a talk there and the assistant youth and family minister director was in the audience and she said I think you're I think you'd be good to speak to our teenagers. 
She's like, would you put together a three-part series and teach them, you know, whatever you want to teach them. But I think that you would connect with them well. And interestingly enough, I put together a three-part series titled I Am More Than Enough, which ended up being a book. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what, what was interesting is, is that they put the group together and it's probably like 25, 27 teens in there. The next week we had like 35. The week after that, they're bringing in more tables because we came over 40. And wow. I'm, I'm literally just someone hired to come teach a class. And there were parents coming up to me. I was part of the church, but I wasn't really that active. You know, I'm kind of like the dude who comes in church and sits in the back. So I'm just there. I'm like, I didn't really utilize community. I didn't really even know hardly anyone there. Yeah. I just went to the church, but I didn't connect with anything. I didn't do anything before, after I just came and left, went and had my lunch and went home. But I did that series and there were people coming up to me saying, you know, thank you so much for teaching our teenagers. My, my, my kid actually wants to come to church now. And I'm like, what is wow. this? Like, I don't even, what are we doing? Um, and so, um, the woman asked, she's like, you think you might want to stick around and be a volunteer? And I'm like, okay, I'll try this out, whatever. And next thing you know, um, a gentleman came along and he saw something in me. He's like, you have a heart for giving. He's like, now let me just teach you how to do ministry. And for three years, we built, we built a ministry that probably had 12, 15 students to, a solid 25 just on the high school end of it just on the wow. high school end of it and so you know we're doing the rallies we're doing the retreats we're doing the camp outs we're doing all of these things the road trips it was it was crazy and so i was you know we we built that ministry and it was going well then COVID happened and so um i had learned the ministry but i realized that i was no longer my season there was over um, it was tough. You know, I still keep in touch with some of those parents and those, those teens know for the rest of their life, they can reach out to me. Um, most of them are in college now. Um, so, but I, I'm, I'm their guy for life. I'm always going to be that. And so the ministry was born from, from that. And now, so, and now, so I've taken on the calling of leaning in the future generations. My calling is to make sure that I pour out to enough youngsters because the generation behind us are going to be part of the revival, which is going to turn the tides in this country. And it's going to be mm -hmm. happening. Just, just wait for it. Get all the popcorn that you can ready yeah. because this generation <laughs> behind us is some mighty, it's some mighty young men and women who are just going to just be like uh, enough, like yeah. no more of this, no more doing yeah. these types of things in all these different sectors. They're going to take back over the pillars of society and go and just rock it out. It's going to be, mm -hmm. get dirty. We're going to be some French warfare going on, but yeah. know that, that, that God is working through them. So now my calling is to pour into them to go fight the battle and to stand yeah. in place when those arrows are coming against them and say, no, no, yeah. shoot me, not them and let them and let them yeah. go to battle. And so that's, that's sort of the transformation because obviously now teen ministry, youth ministry, and really just pouring into young adults is where I am. Now, um, I still speak. I still speak at corporations. I still speak in, you know, nonprofits. I'm still speaking in churches and things of that nature. But the service that wakes me up in the morning is serving them. That's what drives me. Other things fund the situation, but that mm -hmm. that is 
let's just say this. I teach 40% of the week right now. I see in, okay. in, in different sectors, you know, nonprofits, churches, schools, different things of that nature, um, corporations, small businesses or whatever. 20 to 30, 40% of my time goes into youth and teen ministry because it's bigger than me. This game is bigger. This game is bigger than anything I could ever imagine. And so that's where a lot of my, my focus goes to. It's like I, I go take care of the mortgage in the day and I go serve my teens in the evening. And sometimes I even serve them during the day because I meet with them and, and, and sit down and coach them uh, many times. So we're here for that purpose. That's amazing. And you know what I've noticed? Like when we operate in whatever it is that God is calling us to, it brings us so much fulfillment. Like the funding, you know, if God is calling you to it, of course he's going to see you through it. <laughs> but I've noticed that like when you're operating in your gift and in what it is that God is calling you to do, it's so fulfilling. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's amazing. Like it just makes your heart full. Like your heart is so full after, you know, doing what it is. And then not even to mention, like along the way, God sends you so many different confirmations to let you know that you are on the right path. And not to say that the path is easy, but just the encouragement of him, like taking time out and letting you know you're on the right path and I got you, you know. Um, And I think that's amazing because, like you said, um, the next generation coming, they're powerful. They are powerful. And you can definitely tell that God is going to do something amazing through them. And something major is, you know, we're on the brink of something major with these kids. Um, And so it's exciting. And like you said, we definitely have to pour into them um, and just have their backs, you know. Um, So I think it's amazing what you're doing. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. So let me ask you something else. So with the teens... Do they kind of age out of the program or you just kind of work with them as long as they want to work with you? They can't age out because obviously it's from seventh grade where I'm at now is seventh grade through 12th grade. And so once they graduate, they obviously have graduated. Some come back and become uh, ministry leaders through the same teens they used to <laughs> pray with in the in the audience. Um but they just they just grow out of that and just go into young adults if they choose to. Um, so there's there's definitely multiple layers. They don't have to be disconnected. And yeah, once they have a I have a young man I'm working with right now. Um, he was part of the teen ministry group. He graduated. He started college, and now I'm looking to hire him to work with one of my companies. Um, I'm big on entrepreneurship. I'm definitely good on young men earning. So I I stand in that place. Why, why would I not? If there's someone who's within my circle who I'm whom I've mentored, why would I not patronize? Why would I not look to them first? You know, mm-hmm. even if it's not as the primary role, but be part of it so that they can see how the game of life works at a different level. They're just now coming into their own and trying to learn some things. And so it's like, why not bring them in on an apprenticeship, on a on a on an internship type of basis and show them how you go out and you deal with you know, events, conflict resolution, and things of that nature. I want to be able to be that example to them as best I can and show them where I fail. Why not? You know, like, hey, yeah, I really blew that one. Let me tell you what not to do here, you know, because, <laughs> all, right. because all of that is part of it. I mean, like, you don't, they don't just need to see your, you know, 
when you're made up and got a, a fresh cut. No, they need to see mm-hmm. see you when you're a little bit busted, when you when you've taken a when you're taking a couple blows to the jaw and you know, you fought a bear and you came out of it alive, but you look a mess. <laughs> you know, they need to see all of that. Especially, especially for yeah. the young men. Especially for the young men. Because because we 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 have to be we have to be creative. We have to we're we're built through adversity. Mm-hmm. Because the calling we have is to protect the world, protect our families, protect women and children, protect, you know, our communities. Like that's our job to, to, to stand in that place. Like we walk through the door first. If there's somebody there with a gun, we're supposed to take that bullet. That's what that's that's what we are called to do. And so there's a certain level of strength that needs to come from that. And that strength has to come from our father, you know, and we mm-hmm. have to be prepared and ready to take on those tasks as men. Absolutely. I think that's awesome. So you said you, so what did, what else do you do? I know you said you have a few different companies, but I'm asking just for the platform so that, you know, people are aware of the different projects that you have. Um, and if people want to work with you, how can they find you? So I am uh, obviously an author, speaker, um, consultant, mental performance coach. I also create curriculum for many organizations to where they can utilize my material to teach to their people. Um, I got a women's group out in West Texas teaching my material. I have a, a nonprofit teaching uh, kids leadership, respect, and gratitude. Um, and so I'm able to create curriculum for people, even some ministry notes as well. Also doing, um, and obviously I'm also an author, so I speak on the many books and platforms. People can find out more about me at amadvital.com. That's A-H-M-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L.com. Uh, love to to for them to reach out to me if you have a booking or you have a group of young people or you have a, a company and companies I speak mostly on motivation and awakening the baller within you, which basically is a, is a leadership, very motivational locker room kind of get hit. Let's get off the sidelines and get in the game type of message. So I'm definitely available uh, for those We're about to do one of those here pretty soon out here in Texas. And so, that's how they can reach out to me. And obviously, if you have some young people in your life who are who are dealing with some things right now, um, on the website, there's a contact form at the bottom at amadvital.com, or you can email info at amadvital.com. Um, if you put let the healing uh, let the healing begin um, in the subject line and let me know what's going on with your young people. Maybe they're in a season and they haven't gotten out of that season and it's carrying over to another season. Maybe some anxiety or just, you know, just having a couple of bad days and maybe have lost some purpose, maybe have lost a little bit of hope. Um, put that, put this podcast in the subject line and uh, we'll do a 30 minute discovery call with your, with your young adult and see if we may be able to sift through some of what's going on, see if we can, you know, get them on a path to just get them started. Um, so devote 30 minutes to that. So you know, your audience can take advantage of that and, and reach out to me in that regard. But aside from that, I'm Ahmad Vital on all the social media platforms. It's A-H-M-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L. No alias, no secondary, nothing. You you type in Ahmad Vital, it'll take you somewhere where you can find me and reach out to me. And I look forward to hearing from those, uh, sharing your testimonies. And even if there's a prayer request, send it over to me. We'll, uh, we'll uh, get that taken care of. I've been getting some of those lately, which is let me know that, that that the world is 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 yearning for a, a message mm-hmm. of 
of hope, of, of, of grace and mercy, and just to just get to a place where it's like they know that they're loved. And so uh, if that's you, um, just send it over to me. Tell me what the name, tell me what the situation is, and we'll uh, we'll get that on. We'll get you taken care of there. And you know what? I appreciate that. Um, it was something that God was, God was witnessing to me um, a few weeks ago. He was showing me just the many people, you know, that are hurting. Like, and it's been times where he's let me feel people's hearts. Um, and, you know, just the pain and the agony that they're going through. And people are so hungry, like, for a word from God, for just for something, you know, just for some type of hope. And so um, I appreciate you, you know, extending that invitation for people to come get prayers and stuff like that. Like, I really appreciate that. Um, and so thank you. Um, and thank everyone for listening. I appreciate your time. Um, we enjoyed today's uh, session on Let the Healing Begin podcast with me, your host, and Ahmad. Um, also, you can head over to our faith-based t-shirt and hoodie store that's, that supports second chances for the formerly incarcerated population at www.greatergrowthllc.com. Until next time.